Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. Hello, This Spiritual Fix family. Welcome to episode 14 of season 5 of This Spiritual Fix. Today, we are going to be doing the third part of astrology, an introduction to your sun and Jupiter placements. Enjoy! This spiritual fix. Two mystical mamas hacking the self-help game. With Anna Stromquist and Christina Wilson. Hello, Anna. Hello, Christina. Hello, how are you? I'm what are you doing? <laughs> I'm unmasking, Anna. <laughs> I'm being my weird, let me just speak in random accents self. Okay, welcome to episode whatever this is. <laughs> <laughs> it's the episode where Christine becomes completely unmasked and, and, and thus seems unhinged, but it's actually just very happy. <laughs> <laughs> Were you happy? Because I love this stuff. I love, I love the fact that this is, this is for context, y'all, we're together at my house and this is the third episode that we've recorded today and I'm just like in this giddy almost manic in a very good way exuberant place because I'm just like this I love this stuff let's just talk about all of my special interests all at once yeah and actually research them before the conversation which we never used to do (laughs) I'm alluding to pre-podcast days we always research for you folks don't worry I I, and I just I just think it's and our research is composed of TikTok videos (laughs) That's what I was just saying. I was like, I've gone from like having all these amazing worldly stories to just being like, hey, I saw this on social media the other day. Hey, I saw this on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. But we're going to get to why that's important when we discuss AI. It's true. It's true. And, and you know, right now there is, this is, it's probably over by the time that this episode will air, but right now, you know, there's a trial going on for TikTok. And I think it relates really a lot to Pluto and Aquarius, which is what our prelude is about today, because our whole thing is about astrology today. Astrology. So we're going to take the opportunity to talk about Pluto and Aquarius because it was yesterday that it came in to being. And the last time this happened was what, like 1770 to 17... Yeah. 1778 to 1798. All right. Let's yeah. hear about it. So the reason that I allude to TikTok and the trial that's happening with TikTok is you can imagine 150, 150 million Americans and 5 million small businesses use TikTok 
including a lot of churches. During the pandemic, they basically got their start by being on TikTok, right? And so right now there's this trial because, uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons why, but one of the reasons is that Instagram and Meta doesn't want Facebook, or sorry, they don't want TikTok because TikTok is completely has a much better algorithm and also it's not driven by financials. It's not it's not driven by in the same way that Instagram is. What Instagram, is Meta? Meta is the parent company for Facebook and Instagram. Okay. And WhatsApp and all those different things, right? Oh, and it, it owns WhatsApp as too? It WhatsApp? It does. Okay. And one of the things that you are experiencing is that is that we're seeing that people are like, oh, government is going to ban this because it's owned by China and therefore they can use our data. But the hilarious thing is that TikTok probably uses our data less than anything at Meta does, but just because it's it's based in America, then, you know, somehow it's better. And even though it's more technically corrupt, it's more, it sells our information more, it does all these different things more. And so what I think is so interesting is that I feel like if you were to cut this off, like if you were to actually cut off TikTok, I feel like you would have a fucking revolution on your hands that would actually finally convince people to to move an act of 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 being anti-fascist or basically being against state and government control over our lives because it's one of the main sources of it, it, you would be cutting off so much by cutting off that platform. Really? You have more faith in humanity than me. I feel like we'll just be like, eh, it sucks. But- but that's because of Pluto and Aquarius. Okay. Oh, okay. So tell so, me. So, okay. So basically it says, so many articles when you look at it, it's like, are you ready to live through an astrological happening that no one alive has experienced before? That's right. <laughs> On March 23rd, Pluto, the planet of destruction, death, and rebirth, is moving on from Capricorn and entering into the intelligent Aries sign of Aquarius. The last time Pluto was in Aquarius was from 1778 to 1798 with the planet taking 248 years to make its way through the zodiac, making the transit a once in a lifetime or once in many lifetimes kind of occurrence. A lot happened the last time that Pluto was in this sign. We can see it was the invention of the first successful vaccine for smallpox, the discovery of the planet Uranus. We also had the American Revolution, the Haitian Revolution, and the French Revolution, and the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. So there was like all sorts of efficiencies with the steam engine, things along those lines. Mm -hmm. And so a lot happened during that period of time. Was it also the Declaration of Independence drafted? The Declaration of Independence was around that time, right? So it was like right before that time. Okay. So yes, the American Revolution was happening kind of in that period of time. And, you know, for those of us who may be feeling a lot of the different energies that are happening this week, we had, and obviously we're recording this, or it's not obvious, but we're recording this on March 24th. And at the beginning of this week, we had the vertical equinox on the 20th. And then we had this move, this first move into Pluto being Aquarius on the 23rd. So what y'all maybe have experienced in these last couple of weeks is a move to personally bring in a sense of newness and inspire you to seek more creative and innovative ways to move forward. It's about independence and exploring, you know, what you want to do with your main focus. It's about urging and pushing your limits and challenging yourself. And it's about revolutions within your own own lives, y'all. Both Pluto and Aquarius are rebels in the system, right? Mm -hmm. And the, the energy of such a massive major planetary shift, even though technically it's, it's a planetoid, right? Isn't it like a planetoid? It's not a planet, but 
obviously Pluto has been identified in the heavens oh, as oh, a planet oh, I know for what you a very mean. Pluto, long time. Yeah, Pluto has been identified as a planet for a very long time. And Pluto is the god of the underworld. And so regardless of recent history in terms of the, the classification of, Pl- of Pluto as a planet, you know, having Aquarius be the water, you know, being about, you know, adventure and, and being counterculture to a certain extent, and then Pluto being the underworld, the two of those combined lead to massive revolutions and shifts that basically nothing can hold you back or hold you down. So uh, wait. So in terms of specifics, Pluto goes in and out of Aquarius for the next year or two, and then it will be in it solidly for a long time. So Pluto will be in Aquarius from now, so March 23rd, until June 11th, and then again from January 22nd, 2024, to September 2nd, 2024. Then from November 20th, 2024, to March 9th, 2043. Is it oscillating back and forth from Capricorn? Yes, I believe so. And then it'll go to Aquarius Mm -hmm. and stay there. And then again on September 2nd, 2043 to January 19th, 2044. Okay. So buckle up, So it's given us a taste before we get in there. Fully in there. Yep. Very cool. All right. Well, today we're talking about astrology again. This is the third of our multi-part series it'll probably be probably five or six to tackle everything we previously did an episode on mercury and mars and then one on venus in your ascendant where we talked about love placements and today we're talking about basically your personality in general like your outer personality and so we're talking about the sun sign today and jupiter and included jupiter in this because jupiter has to do with our our luck and our relationships with friends and social stuff so i just thought that like jupiter and the sun kind of went together for this episode awesome yeah so here we go so i am typing into my computer right now to look up my chart again because like with all the other previous episodes it's really long it's really nice to follow along with your actual your actual signs to see which one you are in because anna gives a lot of really interesting information or you can do the fun thing which is to guess based on what she's saying, what your sign is, and then see if you're right. (laughs) So for those of you who don't know where your Jupiter is or your sun sign is, go to astro.cafeastrology.com. It's also the first link in the show notes. And plug in your date of birth, your time of birth, if you know it, and your birthplace. If you don't know your time of birth, you're not going to know your house or your ascendant, but you'll be able to know your sun and your Jupiter sign. Do, do Do they ever change in the middle of the day? They could. Yeah, so there's a there's a chance that the it's ascendant changes it every least. two hours. So right, so. right, but the other planets could change in the middle of the day. So it's like if you knew if it was morning or afternoon or night, that might be a general right. thing that you could use. Right, right, right. Yeah. So like for example, my moon is in Scorpio, but if I was born an hour later, my moon would have been in Sagittarius. So like knowing your exact time, it made a big difference. But but like all the other planets, regardless, were in the same place on my birthday. So nothing else really would have mattered so anyways pull up your chart and look at it and i want you to know a couple different things you want to look at three things for this episode what is your ascendant what is your sun sign what is your jupiter sign and then if you knew your birth time know what house your sun and your jupiter in all right so how do you know what house your sun and your jupiter are using this oh it's down i see it it's like a third chart in cafe astrology scroll on down All right, so moving right along, the first thing I'm going to talk about is your chart ruler. So if you know your ascendant, that is going to determine who is the most prominent player in your chart. So for example, your chart ruler is if you had all your planets lined up 
which planet are you turning the volume up on high? So starting with Aries, if your ascendant is Aries, then Mars is your chart ruler. That means go back and listen to episode 5.02 because where your Mars is the most important planet in your chart. If your ascendant is in Taurus, then Venus is the most prominent planet in your chart. That's your chart ruler. Go back and listen to episode 5.07. Whoop, whoop. If Gemini is your ascendant, then Mercury is your chart ruler. Go back and listen to episode 5.02. If Cancer is your chart ascendant, then your moon sign is the most important planet in your chart. Just wait a bit. We're going to launch an episode on the moon in the future. If Leo is your ascendant, then your sun sign is the most prominent part of your chart. Listen to today's episode. This is an important one for you. If your ascendant is in Virgo, then Mercury, again, is your chart ruler. Listen to episode 5.02. If Libra is your ascendant, then Venus is your chart ruler. Go listen to 5.07 again. That's the love placement episode. If your ascendant is Scorpio, then the planet of most importance to you is either Pluto by modern day astrology or Mars by traditional astrology. So listen to episode 5.02 or wait for another episode on Pluto. If your ascendant is Sagittarius, then your chart ruler is Jupiter. So again, today's episode is really important for you. And if Capricorn, Aquarius, or Pisces are your ascendants, then the planet most important to you are going to be tackled in a future episode. They are in order, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. So that being said, if your ascendant is in Leo or Sagittarius, today's episode is very important to you because... They are your chart rulers. They're going to really, it's really going to be amped up. Yeah. That makes sense? It makes perfect sense. So okay. it, means it has special importance. But special it could, importance. It also is important for. It's important for anybody, but exactly. like more, very important for you. Yes. So with that being said, Christina, can you talk a little bit about the elements? Yes. Talking about the elements, I just want to say something about the four different elements that we have in traditional Western astrology. Obviously, Vedic astrology has five because it has ether as the fifth. And Chinese zodiac and astrology has five and it's like metal, earth, wood we talked about in the feng shui episode. So the four that we have here are fire, earth, air, and water, which is what most people know about. The fire signs are Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. These signs are said to hold a fiery passion, energy, enthusiasm, and boldness. So imagine Anna. <laughs> <laughs> My husband or my kid, my son. Yes, that too. And for me, it's my daughter. She's a Sag. Mm. Sun sign. Earth signs are Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn. These are grounded, earthy signs of the zodiac. They are hardworking, practical, and pragmatic. That's my son. Um, air signs, Gemini, Libra, and Aquarius. These are intellectual thinkers and talkers of the zodiac. They are logical, lead with their heads, and people-facing. That's my husband. We have all four elements in my family. That's like a point of pride for me. <laughs> That's really cool. <laughs> Water signs, Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces. These are the most intuitive, emotive signs. They are in touch with their emotions and subconscious, empathetic, and fluid. Mm -hmm. And then we have the modes. So we have cardinal, fixed, and mutable. Have you heard of those? I have. So cardinal signs are the leaders of the pack. They're the self-starters. Think of it like they're the spring in terms of season they're like spring they're like the initiator so they're good at initiating things they may struggle with completion so cardinal signs are aries cancer libra and capricorn 
Okay. Then you have the fixed signs. These signs are hardworking, reliable, and determined. They see things through, but they're a little stubborn. They're not easy to change their point of view. That would be Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last one is mutable signs. These are the signs that are very flexible, very adaptable. They embrace the new winds of change, but they could be fickle. And that's Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting that each of the elements has a cardinal, a fixed, and a mutable sign. Mm-hmm. So you can see in some way, like, what is the most air of the airs, right? What is the least air of the airs? It's not really a way of saying that because it's obviously like a matrix, right? Like, in the sense of you're kind of like... But that each each of the fire signs has then another way of distinguishing them. Right. So that's, like, that's the difference between... If you look at, say, all the fire signs of Aries, Leo, and Sag, Aries is cardinal. Yep. Leo is fixed. Sag is mutable. And then, like, all the water signs. You have Cancer, Scorpio, Pisces. Cancer's cardinal. Scorpio's fixed. Pisces is mutable. I mean, it's so obvious when you, like, start to think about them all. Yes. It really It, it really makes sense. Especially the difference, like, because I hear, because I'm a Pisces, so I hear a lot about Cancers. And it's always so interesting because, like, Cancers and Pisces are obviously both known for being very emotional, but like the the kind of stereotypical way that you you describe a Cancer is that they are almost angry about their emotion, whereas Pisces are just like Go with oh, flow. flowy and watery about it because that is more indicative of that cardinal versus that that mutable mm-hmm. aspect of water. Yeah, exactly. All right, so this is coming from Stylecaster. This is a quote about your sun sign. So basically, we're talking today about. The sun and Jupiter. So this is a quote from Stylecaster. The sun sign in astrology rules over your ego and overall sense of self. It reveals the standards you use to measure yourself and the mark you'd like to leave on the world. It encompasses the major strokes of your life, showing you the type of person you'll spend your whole life working towards becoming. The sun sign is the core of your character, while other aspects, like your moon and rising sign, flesh out your personality in more vivid details. Think of your natal chart as a series of potentials, with each placement making you likely to tend toward different behaviors in multiple aspects of your life. These include love, communication, and spirituality. So your sun sign is like your overall ego. It's the overall you, okay? And then Jupiter has to do with the principles of growth, expansion, healing, prosperity, good fortune, miracles, friendship, long distance and foreign travel, business and wealth, higher education, religion, and the law. So I thought I would incorporate Jupiter in today's episode because I feel like that one has a a strong hold on kind of your personality and how you show up in the world as well. Yeah, and in uh, whatever you call it, um, palm palmistry, your Jupiter finger is your pointer finger. Oh, really? Yeah, so uh, the reason I say it is just because it feels like that. It's like the, the one that goes places and does stuff. Okay. All right, so now going into the sun signs, we're going to go in order from Aries to Pisces and just discuss like what it means if your sun is in these signs. So this is your sun sign. So look at your chart, wherever your sun sign is. That's what we're talking about right now. It's also the sign like when you're talking to people and they're like, hey, what are you? This is the sign that they're usually talking about. People normally, I would guess like, I don't know, I'm making it up, 80 to 90% of the world's population only know about this sign. Like they don't really know you've got other planets affecting your personality. So I'm going to talk about each one. The first one is Aries. Aries is in its exalted position in this in this placement, meaning it's in its most favorable position, okay? So you have exalted, which is its best. You have in detriment, which is its worst position, in quotes. You have in domicile, which is its natural home, natural place to express it. And then you have its 
fall, which is not its natural place. It's like the opposite of in domicile. So does this change over time? Like, do you think that like if, you know, like with the procession of the equinoxes or something like that, it changes? Because in some ways, I feel like this may be me misunderstanding, but like it feels like if you're like, hey, if you're born between, you know, April, March 21st and April 20th, like you're just in a, you're just going to be a cool person because like you're exalted. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's a, it's an optimal time to be born. Right. Yeah. Right. So, um, with that being said, people who are Aries are very comfortable being Aries. They don't struggle with being Aries. Like Aries are like, I'm an Aries. Here I am, you know? Yes. And in fact, they are the I am placement. I am is, they're all about self-expression. Their symbol is the ram. Their archetype is the warrior. They're fire. They are cardinal. And they rule the first house, which is the house of the self. They are the god of action, war, and passion. So Aries are very fiery, very passionate, very big on go-getters, very big on initiation, like creating stuff. Because again, they're, they're cardinal and they're fire. And they are active, meaning they take a very active role in their life. And they have yang energy, meaning they're, they're kind of masculine. They rule the head, so they're prone to headaches, concussions, bonking their... I mean, I can't even tell you how many times my my husband bonks his head on the ceiling or on a cupboard, Aries. And they are leaders, natural leaders. Keep going. Yeah. All right, we got Taurus, and their saying is, I have. They're all about material possessions. And then just to go back to, like, talk a little bit about opposites... Aries is the I am sign and their exact opposite would be Libra. That's their polarity. And Libra is about relationships. So they're like opposite sides of the same coin. So with Taurus, Taurus is opposite of Scorpio. Taurus is about physical possessions. Scorpio is about being possessive emotionally. Okay. So Taurus is the I have sign. They're very much about what do they have. They're, they love their things. Like Tauruses can turn any place into something beautiful or they collect things. Like they're really into things. I, I can't explain that, but like, I, you know, a lot of us are into actions or people or memories or yeah, traveling. Primary interests in they're, NLP. Right? Yeah. Their primary interest is like things. Like, yeah. And they do really well with earth, gardening, tilling, having things they can hold on to. They need to have practical, logical facts. They're usually not like esoterics. They are the bull. Their archetype is the sensualist. They are earth and they are fixed. They are rulers of the second house, which is the house of values. Their duality is yin, so they're actually feminine expressed. Their body part is the throat, so they can be prone towards tonsillitis or throat, laryngitis, things like that. Or they have a very interesting singing voice or voice, and they rule places. All right, we have a Gemini, and their saying is, I think, or I communicate. Their symbol is the symbol of the twins. Their archetype is the communicator. They are air, and they are mutable. And they rule the third house, which is the house of communication. They are, the the ruler is the messenger god or Mercury, and their duality is yang, so they're very masculine. Um, things about Geminis is they rule the shoulders and arms, so they might have issues with their shoulders or like their AC joint, a chromioclavicular joint, which is funny. I know a Gemini who has issues with that. And um, the collarbones and stuff like that. Collarbones, mm-hmm. shoulders, arms, hands, like that's the part of their body that they rule. They are really keen on communication. They're really good at having about, they could talk to anyone about anything. They have a lot of variety of interests, things like that. 
cancer. They're, they're saying is I feel. And their symbol is the crab. Their archetype is the nurturer. Their element is water and they are cardinal. They rule the fourth house, which is the house of home. And their planetary ruler is the moon, which is the planet of emotion. Their duality is yin, which is feminine. And they rule the stomach. So they love to eat. And then one thing I want to say is hopefully it's shifting now. Like I'd like to believe it's shifting, but up until recently, because of toxic masculinity, men who are cancers, I think have struggled a lot with being cancers because they're very emotional, but they've been raised up until like the last five, 10 years, hopefully it's ending, that like boys don't cry and boys need to be strong and da 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 da. So there's a lot of pent up emotions with, with males who are cancers because they haven't been allowed to really express that softness. And so they say that it's a crab, right? Like hard shell, soft on the inside. Yeah. So you won't really know a cancer until, like you won't really know how, who a cancer really is until you get to know them more. And I think with men, men cancers, you don't really know how soft they are until they're able to let that guard down because of toxic masculinity stuff. Okay. Okay. Then you have Leo. Leo if your sun is in Leo, then it is in domicile, meaning it's in its natural planetary ruler because its ruler is the sun. So people who are Leo are very happy being Leo. Like they, they very much express it like they embrace their Leoness. There's not a I'm lot of Leo. I'm a Leo, hear me roar. Like there's not a lot of conflict with that. Their symbol is the lion. Their archetype is the creative one or the creator. They are fire and they are fixed and they rule the fifth house, which is the house of pleasure or the house of creation. They are yang, which is like masculine energy. They have a sunny childlike disposition and their body part is the back and the heart, meaning that if they suffer things, they'll suffer from back pains or circulatory issues. Like it's interesting. I have high cholesterol and I feel like that's like, okay, that's very... Yeah. Leo. And it's also heart. interesting they say the lion heart too. Like the lion heart is such an interesting terminology that we use, right? And you're saying it's Leo is the lion that's run by the heart. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Virgo, they're saying is I analyze. Their symbol is the maiden. Their archetype is the healer or the analyst. Their element is earth. They are mutable. And they rule the sixth house, which is the house of work and health. Their ruler is Mercury, which is the god of communication. They are yin, which is feminine, and they rule the intestines. So when they're out of balance, the body part most likely is going to be intestinal. So they are going to have ulcers, difficulty with digestion, constipation, diarrhea, like intestinal stuff. All right. Then we have Libra. Oh, you know what I forgot to do, which I kind of regret, is I wasn't saying they're opposites. I just... Let me go back and just explain really quick. So I had said before that Taurus is opposite with Scorpio. They're both possessive, one emotionally, one physically. Yeah. Then we have Gemini. Gemini's opposite is Sagittarius. And they're both explorers, we could say. But Gemini's like to explore through communication and through others. And Sagittarius is like to explore. It's more an autonomy freedom thing. And it's about exploring spaces versus like people. Yes. All right. Cancer's opposite is Capricorn. And Cancer is a lot about ancestors and family and those kind of ties. And then on the opposite spectrum, Capricorn is about success and career. So they're like opposite. Mm -hmm. And then we have Leo, which is all about like saying, here I am and I want you to love me and I want to contribute to the world by how amazing I am, right? And create, 
and express who I am. And then the opposite would be Aquarius who is like, I want to serve humanity and I want to be different. I don't want to be, I don't want to blend in with any of y'all. So it's Mm -hmm. like an opposite in that respect. Okay. We have Virgo who is, you know, the analyzer and the rule follower and the logical one. And its opposite is Pisces who is like, go with the flow and the dreamer. Okay. So would you recommend that you don't necessarily match up with your opposite? So we talked about this in the love episode. Your ascendant will likely be attracted to its opposite. But as far as sun signs go, like yes and no. Like it it, it just kind of, there's just so many more elements at play. Like would you be good with your opposite or not? I don't know. But like traditionally you want to be looking at when it comes to relationships with other people, you want to be looking at your Venus and ascendant placements which we talked about in yep. episode five. No, 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 that makes sense that makes sense thank you all right so libra is in detriment your sun is in detriment when it's in libra because it's opposite which is aries is exalted therefore it is in detriment meaning that libras traditionally are not in their most optimal situation and it would kind of make sense because libra is the scales it's like two opposites trying to juggle two opposites and it's about relationships but this is the planet of the self so there there is conflict here because the libra is like we 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 but it's a planet of me 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 right so libras do struggle with their identity because they are traditionally like people pleasers or wanting to think of the world in terms of us but but the sun is not about us. The sun is about you shining, right? Yes. So is it we are? Is that what? I balance. Okay, I balance. I balance is their saying. They are the scales. Their archetype is the diplomat or lover. Their element is air and they are cardinal. They rule the seventh house, house of relationships. The ruler is Venus, the goddess of love. Duality, they are young and they rule the lower back and relationships. And their body part is oh i said that their body part is the lower back scorpio scorpio's saying is i desire and i like to joke and say actually it's i obsess (laughs) (laughs) and their symbol is the scorpion their archetype is the alchemist because they are they're wizards with changing things around their element is water their mode is fixed they rule the eighth house which is the house of death rebirth transformation their ruler is Pluto, the god of the underworld, and their duality is yin, so they are feminine. Their body part that they rule are the sexual organs, so they may be prone to STDs or urinary tract infections, or rashes down there, things like that. Going into Sagittarius, their motto is, I see, or I like to say, my joke is, I idolize. <laughs> they are this, their symbol is the archer, they are the philosopher, Their element is fire and they're mutable. They rule the ninth house, which is the house of wisdom and philosophy. They are ruled by Jupiter. So if you're listening to this episode, this is an important one. They're they're ruled by Jupiter and their duality is young, meaning masculine, and they rule the hips. So they might have issues with hips. It's interesting because my ascendant is Sagittarius and if I run too much, my hips get out of alignment. So I have to be really careful with my hips. Interesting. Yeah. I think that's my Sagittarius influence. Okay, going into Capricorn. Their symbol is the sea or mountain goat. Their archetype is the leader. Their element is earth. Their mode is cardinal. They rule the 10th house of career. Their ruler is Saturn. Their duality is yin, which is feminine. And their body part is the knees Mm -hmm. or are the knees. Their saying is I use. 
because they're very goal oriented and very like I'm gonna do this to get to here so they're saying is I use and I like to joke that they're saying is also I don't because they're like very into like boundaries and like I will and will not do this kind of thing yep okay Aquarius Aquarius is in fall in this position because as we said before their opposite is Leo and Leo is like in its domicile and its happy place here so Aquarius is not Aquariuses really don't feel comfortable in their own skin and they really do struggle with identity and self-expression because they don't want to be like everybody else but they're they're saying is I know and I like to joke that they're saying is also I'm disgusted They're, they're like, there's like jokes on, on Instagram memes of them like showing up at a family dinner party or meeting their parent, their boyfriend's parents or something and immediately asking them their political views. And if they disagree, they'll just be like, ugh, disgusted. <laughs> their symbol is the water bearer. Their archetype is the humanitarian. Their element is air. A lot of people misunderstand and think it's water. It's not. It's the water bearer, but it's air. They are fixed. They rule the 11th house, which is the house of friendship. They're ruled by Uranus. Their duality is young, and they're very quirky. And the body part that they rule is like their calves, like the area between their knees and ankles. Like we'd say ankles, calves. Pisces. Their symbol is the fish. Their archetype is the dreamer. Their element is water, and they are immutable. They're... They rule the 12th house, which is the house of mysticism or shadow. They're ruled by Neptune, the planet of illusion. They are feminine because their duality is yin. And their saying is, I believe. But I like to joke and say their they're saying is, I fantasize. Mm. They, they, live, they live in a fantasy world often. And then the body part that they rule is their feet, which is really interesting because one of my friends her moon is in Pisces and she has a lot of issues with her feet. And then my stepdaughter, her moon is in Pisces. She has, she struggles a lot with her flat feet causing knee problems, which is interesting because she's an Aquarius. So it's like that whole area. Yeah. I, I get that. I have, I have problems with my toes. Oh, really? I stub my toes a lot. Really? If you look at a human body, you know, Aries, if you start at the top of the head, you have Aries and you just travel down head Aries, throat Taurus travel 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 all the way down the last body part is the feet and the last sign is Pisces so it like goes in order and it's interesting too because you know like energetically the feet are in charge of of getting rid of things right and I feel like I was just making a correlation in my head to like we get rid of things and as we get as as we're like sitting there at the the bottom half of the world you know like like watching everything fall off into oblivion we're like daydreaming a lot while we're kind of watching the waste things it's ridiculous go ahead let me not distract from what you're saying this is great okay all right so now looking at your chart i want you to look and see if you knew your ascendant you're gonna know what house things are in go look and see what house your son is christina your son is in what house 11th 11th house which Mm -hmm. is the house that belongs to aquarius which is the house of friendship and invention mine my sun sign is in the eighth house which is the house of death destruction and rebirth which i just want to say which is something that's interesting is even though you are a pisces but your pisces lives in the 11th house of aquarius and if we look at your broader chart your mercury is in aquarius you're actually in a lot of ways more aquarius than you are pisces 
right? But that being said, my moon is in Scorpio and then my son lives in the house of Scorpio. So in many ways, I'm 50%, I like, I'm a Leo, but I'm 50% Scorpio in a lot of ways, right? So it's really important to look and see what house your planet is in, your sun sign is, because it's going to mean a lot. And it might be why you never really identified with your sun sign before. All right. So now we're going to talk about the sun in the house. So go see what house your sun is in, okay? If your sun is in the first house, it is in the house of self that it is the house of self and the house of individuality. It means that the theme of your life is to make an impression on others and to express yourself and to let everyone know who you are and you have a strong self-image, okay? And the theme of your life is expressing that self-image, right? Maybe you're a leader, maybe you're an actor, like whatever, or a dancer, like whatever it is that you are doing, it's very much about expressing yourself. If your son is in the second house, which is the house of Taurus, you take pride in what you own. You have a strong drive for security. You're really into material possessions. It's the house of concrete values and material possessions. You do well in gardens and in earth, like earthy things, very practical. If your son is in the third house, it's in the natural home of Gemini, which is communication, thinking, learning. You need activity and change of scenery often. You get restless. You like to communicate. You like to think a lot. You have a lot of different hobbies. The theme of your life is communication, sharing of ideas, thinking. Okay? If your son is in the fourth house, this is the house of cancer. It's the home of your ancestors. It's the home of the home, the home of fundamentals. You invest a lot of your pride in time, in your home, in your family, in your cultural ties, in your ancestors, in food. Like people with their son in the fourth house don't want to leave a house, really. They're homebodies. Fifth house, the house, the natural home of Leo. Here you are creator, like directors, presidents, inventors. They're going to have sons in the fifth house. You want to be noticed for your unique and special qualities, your creativity, your happiest when you are creating or expressing yourself in a creative way. You want to be recognized too. It's like not enough to just create. You want to also be recognized. The sixth house is the natural home of Virgo and it's the house of discipline. So people who have their son in this home could be nurses. They like to offer services to others. It's not humanitarian in the way that Aquarius is because Aquarius is like global and humanitarian. This is more like one-on-one caring. So like nurses or service to others in a direct way. Okay. Okay. Seventh house is the house of relationships. So you take pride in your ability to negotiate and to establish harmony in relationships. It's the it's the house of Libra. So people of a son in this home can hold two opposites at the same time. People who have their son in the eighth house, this is the house of in, inner values or death, rebirth, transformation. These are people who their life is going to have multiple chapters. It's like they live multiple lives in one life, right? Like they don't stay in the same town they were born in and live there their whole life. There's going to be a lot of movement, a lot of opening and closing of chapters, a lot of death, rebirth, transformation. If they have a lot of planets in there, more than one, more than their son, it's possible that they experience some major trauma in their childhood as well that had to do with death or rebirth. Gotcha. Do you feel that way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not about the trauma part, but about like yeah, having like the multiple whole thing. chapters. Yeah, yeah, multiple chapters. Yeah. I, the ninth house is the house of evolution. It is the natural home to Sagittarius. This is the home of high ideals. You look across on the horizon, philosophy, travel, things like that. So if you have your son in the ninth house, you're going to have a lot of 
travel, higher pursuit of philosophy, maybe you're a professor, you know, there's going to be like that kind of thing, philosophical stuff. Tenth house. If your sun is in the tenth house, this is the natural home of Capricorn. It is the house of responsibility. It's about working towards goals, success, and accomplishment. Power and success are part of your makeup. That's like really important to you. If your sun is in the eleventh house, which is the natural home of Aquarius, it is the house of sharing. You're humanitarian who wants to treat everyone like equals. You seek to be just, unique, and original. You want to avoid bias and prejudice. Social status is not important to you, but you want to be linked to a larger unit, humanitarian, if you will. And if your sun sign is in the 12th house, this is the house of transcendence or mysticism. You have a tendency to introspect and you may avoid the spotlight, but you find yourself but it's the, the, the 12th house they say is like the end, like it's coming full circle and it's ending in a way that like it's opening a door to the next realm so if you have a lot of planets in this 12th house not just the sun but more likely the moon or mercury too you 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 know things without knowing why you know them okay it's a lot it's very intuitive yeah i think i have three in that house in in the 12th house so i understand that yes all right so that was in essence your sun sign now we're going to talk a little bit about jupiter okay can i just reflect really quickly before you run into jupiter yeah i think it's so interesting because i feel like that a description of what you said about aquarius is like the closest because my son is in the 11th house so it's an aquarius feels so close to what i feel like wanting to like do something worldly like in that respect of like global and impact or whatever it is and I just finally came to the realization that like a, there, you know, you could use astrology to like describe how you felt a certain way, if you know what I mean, like, like this is being done to me, or you can use it as like, this is the, this is like informing. A career coach. A career coach. Exactly. A career coach. That's exactly what it is. Right. And that's like the first time I noticed it because like, you could be like, oh my God, I've always felt this need to have something global, but that's just this. Or you could say, my astrology chart is telling me that I'm supposed to be doing something global. I literally have the workings for doing something global, so I guess I should do it. Mm-hmm. Right? And like my job, for example, I have a lot of planets in the eighth house, death, rebirth, transformation. Like a lot of my patients are dying or they're in hospice or I'm getting them to transform after a major trauma. Like they, they've either had surgery or they've lost a limb or they had a stroke and they can't walk again and I'm helping them get back to that. Yeah. So it's like I'm, I'm helping facilitate people who are in the midst of a transformation and that suits me well. Like you remember, I remember like when I was in PT school, our professor said, you're gonna be honoring people on any day of your week, but it is the worst day of their life, you know? And, and like that is so eighth house. Yeah, that makes so much sense, too, because that's my experience of PTs. Like, PTs were, like, the rescuer. Like, when I've gone through stuff with my family medically, when the PT showed up, it was, like, the person who was going to show up at the house and, like, actually be there and be, like, a medical professional who was willing to come to your house, for one thing. Right. Right? Like, they're they're so on the front lines of the recovery from major surgery. It's, like, it's pretty remarkable role to be in right to be so and and there people are probably so dependent on you to like make sure that they're not you know to make sure they're okay on some level Mm -hmm. 
I'm trying to think of other people's charts. Like I was like, we could just pull up a celebrity's chart or something and look at it to just see how this is all playing out. Because I was like, I could use my family as examples, but nobody knows them. Like, should I just pull up some random person's yeah. chart? Who... Yeah, pull up like, I was like Angelina Jolie or Emma Wa- Emma Watson. Maybe Emma Watson. I don't Emma know Watson. anything about her. I'll do Angelina Jolie because I don't know anything about Emma Watson. Okay. They're both goodwill ambassadors and actors. That was the reason why I was saying oh, it, right? Okay, like they're okay. both like, Emma Watson's all about women's rights and like, humanitarian work that was the reason why i kind of brought them up in particular all right here let's see okay so looking at angelina jolie's chart her son is in gemini which is communication right but her son is in the 11th house which is the aquarius house which is the house of what we were just talking about humanitarianism okay that's really interesting all right so now that we talked about your sun sign we're gonna talk a little bit about your jupiter sign and if your rising sign your ascendant is sagittarius this is extremely important to you because this becomes your chart ruler jupiter is the fifth planet from the sun it represents luck and opportunity it's how we're social how we flirt our hobbies our interests our money and material things and stuff like that It's a planet of good luck, good fortune, optimism, success. It brings joy to life. It is the largest planet, and it has to do with frankness, goodwill, philosophy, religion, metaphysics. It's a great planet if you have it negatively placed on your chart, meaning it's in its opposites, such as Gemini. It can be self-righteous, excessive, squandering, exaggeration, overindulgence, bigotry, things like that. If your Jupiter is in Aries, Leo, or Sagittarius, congratulations, you have very good luck. And if your Jupiter is in Sagittarius, it's very good. And if it's in Cancer, it is in its luckiest, most exalted position. I might Jupiter's in Sagittarius. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Great. I do have very good luck, I would say. Like, I think that, like, in general, like, things tend to work out in favor, even when it should be, like, they're weirdly shouldn't so if you have jupiter in sagittarius or cancer you should be buying lottery tickets (laughs) (laughs) nice nice okay if your jupiter is in gemini it is in detriment meaning it's in like it's unlucky situation yep and if it's in capricorn it is in its fall okay so it's like it's most worst unlucky situation gotcha can i can i just mention an an astronomy fact that i learned the other day which about jupiter sure so apparently when they're trying to look for earth-like planets they are now looking for something that has a gas giant very very close to it because there's a thought that Jupiter is actually the reason that the Earth can exist because it has such a huge gravitational force because it's so massive that basically any asteroid that would have destroyed life on Earth before it got a chance to really form or could it destroy it at this point. Basically, it takes the asteroid belt and it like any any like any of the stuff that comes through the asteroid belt that like exists between Saturn and Uranus, right? Like that there's a massive massive um asteroid belt. Like anything that exists between those, like it, you know, stuff will hit that and it will go all over the solar system, right? But the gravitational force of Jupiter is so strong that it actually pulls anything that would normally hit the Earth 
um, so out of out of its thing. So it basically saves us. It protects us. It's our bodyguard. It's like our bodyguard, which is very good luck that we have a bodyguard. So there's a thought that they're, they're maybe pulling that into the assessment of finding Earth-like planets is recognizing if there's a huge gas giant nearby. I love it. All right. Looking at your chart again, go look and see where your Jupiter is. If it is in Aries, remember, very good luck because it's a fire sign. And like I said, when I said good luck, it's like people of Jupiter and a fire sign, they're people that you want to gravitate towards. Like they're happy. They're fun. They're awesome people. We're both, both of <laughs> <laughs> We are awesome people. Okay. Jupiter is expansive. Aries is energetic and urgent. So... People who have Jupiter and Aries feel good when they take initiative because Aries is that cardinal sign. Um, They are really good about taking leadership roles or initiatory roles in things, and they like to do things quick. Like, without even knowing this, I swear my husband's Jupiter must be in Aries because it's like, as our friend Robbie says, it's called Mr. RFN right fucking now. (laughs) It's like Jupiter and Aries. All right. If your Jupiter is in Taurus, Jupiter, again, expansive planet, Taurus is enduring, possessive material, so you expand in areas related to money or beauty. You believe you believe the solution to most problems is through money or more money or acquiring possessions and luxuries. You are a materialist, but don't worry. You're not a bad person. You just have Jupiter and Taurus. You're not superficial is what I mean to say. You just have Jupiter and Taurus. You see the beauty in the material. Right. Jupiter and Gemini, you are in detriment position, so it's not easily expressed. And you have a natural talent for learning and speaking foreign languages. When you get nervous, you might not be able to speak. Jupiter in Cancer, it's again in the exalted position here. And Jupiter expands. Cancer is instinctive and protective. So you are confident with expanding emotions. You can take on a lot of stress and setbacks and bounce back. You like to make your home in foreign places or have homes furnished with things from foreign places. So remember we talked about Cancer being a home home absolutely jupiter and leo jupiter likes to expand leo likes to impress and create so if you have jupiter and leo you're generous kind compassionate and altruistic and you have good executing abilities you crave positions of trust and responsibility and you never like to be a follower you have a lot of energy and a strong constitution Jupiter and Virgo, you have the expansive inner qualities of Jupiter combined with the analytical and critical values of Virgo. You are cautious, intellectual, analytical, and practical with an uncanny ability to sift the wheat from the chaff. Can you explain what that means? Yeah, so you have an ability to understand what is, like the chaff is obviously like the coating of the wheat that is necessary in order to grow it, but after a certain point, you don't want it because it's not edible. So you can understand what's like worth your time. You can understand like the Mm. wheat is like what is going to give you the best results versus what is just like excess and a waste of time. Okay. Jupiter and Libra. Jupiter is expansive. Libra is diplomatic, harmonious, and relationship-minded. So you have philosophical, sympathetic. So in this position, you are philosophical, sympathetic, and friendly. You expand your horizons through your ability to be outgoing with others and well-liked by others. So these people are probably the ones who are really good at network, and they know someone who does something in every field, right? 
Jupiter and Scorpio. Scorpio is intense, secretive, obsessive. Jupiter is expansive. So you would tend to be efficient, hardworking with a flair for business and finance. You're really good at doing all the work necessary to fulfill a task. You can also be secretive, but there is strength in being secretive. And don't worry, people with Scorpio placements, your obsessive nature is adorable. Jupiter and Sagittarius. This is a position that it is in domicile, meaning you are free and tolerant and you are in your natural home. So it expresses itself really well. Yes, I'm telling you, buy a lottery ticket and go ahead and send me a portion if you win because I gave you that advice. <laughs> You're big hearted, idealistic, loyal, generous, humane, broad minded, philosophical, tolerant. You are might be interested in religion, law, higher education, anything abstract, and you like to justify yourself with rationalization yes that sounds exactly like me. <laughs> <laughs> capricorn and jupiter capricorn is prudent and reserved jupiter is expansive so like i said before it is in detriment in this position meaning it's not in its great most lucky situation your positive qualities are honesty sincerity faithfulness in genuity resourcefulness but your attempts at growth and expansion might be met with challenges because you're very cautious, systematic, systematic, practical, but it Jupiter is expansive. Jupiter asks for you to take risks. Capricorn doesn't like to do that. Yeah. Capricorn likes to follow their, you know, step-by-step protocol. Okay. So if you're listening to that, maybe you can look up some crystals or elements to counteract that and try to like let go a little more and, and just kind of trust yeah what what jupiter wants of you be so risk averse yeah jupiter aquarius jupiter is expansive aquarius is indifferent unconventional genius and creative so if you have this you are humanitarian and concerned with the welfare of all people you believe in the brotherhood of man this is the age of aquarius you work well with others because you're inventive keen intellectual tolerant and sociable and finally if your planet Jupiter is in the sign of Pisces. You are impressionable, inspirational. You need to grow and expand. Are best satisfied when you're working to help raise mankind to a higher spiritual level. And you recognize that we're all in this together. Very, very mystical yes. placement here. Awesome. So one last thing I just want to say is looking at your chart, go look and see what, what, what house your Jupiter is in. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to look at mine. I think I already know. Mine is in the mine's eighth in house. The, mine's in the eighth house, too. Oh, mine's in the eighth house. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. All right. If your Jupiter is in the first house, remember we said first house is the house of self. You are generous, optimistic, cheerful, pragmatic, good vitality. You have good luck with self-expression. Okay. If it's in the second house, second house is that Torian house. It's the house of finances and success and home. Mm -hmm. So you are quote unquote lucky with material possessions. If your Jupiter is in the second house, maybe you were born into wealth or maybe you come into wealth. Like basically you can trust that you're going to have luck with stability and stuff like that. Jupiter in the third house, which is the house of Gemini or the house of communication it may mean that you have mental restlessness and you have to try lots of different jobs like you move from job to job or you move from hobby to hobby like you are philosophical optimistic but it's like you got to keep moving Jupiter in the fourth house that was the house of cancer it's the house of the home and ancestors so parental influence is strong in shaping your character here so like on the opposite side of the coin if you have a like 
un, uh, unlucky placement, it could mean that you need to get away from your birthplace or your ancestors holds on you, things like that. Jupiter in the fifth house, this is, you have a lot of opportunities when it comes to relationship, creation, dating. This is the house of Leo, which is the house of children and creation and happiness. So people with this placement could be overindulgent. They could be gamblers, but there's a strong desire to be creative and luck with creation. Jupiter in the sixth house tends to give very good health. This is the house of Virgo and you inspire to cooperate among fellow workers and you watch need to watch out for overwork and overindulging and eating and drinking. Jupiter in the seventh house, which is the house of relationships, means that you have seek a partner that can expand your vision and open up opportunities for expansion and help you grow. So a lot of your luck is tied up with who you end up marrying. Jupiter in the eighth house, this is both of us. You're optimistic and have a faith in your fellow man. There may be financial gain through marriage, partnership, or inheritance. You're very emotional and you tap into your psychic abilities so that you can uplift and heal mankind. Holy shit. You gain opportunity expansion through the use of other people's money. So we're good at telling people how to spend their money. <laughs> Jupiter I'm in the ninth house. I'm waiting for that uh, inheritance. <laughs> Definitely got negative inheritance for all the people who died in my life. Well, I guess no, that's not true. When my grandmother died, I got some. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> if you have Jupiter in the ninth house, you are optimistic, tolerant, broad-minded. Remember, this is its natural home. The ninth house is where Jupiter should quote unquote belong because it's the house of Sagittarius. Okay. You benefit from traveling and dealing with foreigners. You your your accomplishments will come probably later in your life or not even recognized until after you die. So artists. On the negative side, you may be quite dogmatic in your beliefs or you might have a total absence of faith. Like it can go both sides. Jupiter in the 10th house, which is the natural home of Capricorn, the house of career. This means that opportunity and expansion are very good. Like your luck is with your profession and your career. And you have a good nature, magnetic personality, and you don't let people down. You're very responsible and good luck with work. Jupiter in the 11th house. This is the house of Aquarius. And so you probably have a lot of friends who are willing to do almost anything from you. Your friends may share with you in your humanitarian idealism. You are popular and you might even have influential friends. And last but not least, Jupiter in the 12th house. You could be philanthropic. You have a great faith in the future. You may work in a hospital or a jail. Success may come to you in the middle of life, but you could be unrealistic. Remember we said that Pisces is the dreamer fantasy. Well, Pisces rules this house. So it's important for you to be more pragmatic and think things more clearly before pursuing those goals. So that in a nutshell is your sun sign and your Jupiter sign. And then if you go back and listen to the other episodes, 5.2 and 5.7, you'll know more about your Mars and Mercury as well as Venus and Ascendant. So pretty soon you can start reading people's charts for a hobby. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> what is the, uh, what is the physical symbol of Jupiter on a chart? Do you know it's what it that, like? It's the one that looks like a curly number four. The one that looks like a curly number four. Oh, yeah. Okay. You see it? I do. I do see it. I was checking Vincent Van Gogh's chart because I wanted to know what house's Jupiter was in. What was it? It looks like it's in the... Oh, that's where his fifth house starts. It's his, his sixth house. Which is the house Virgo. Sixth house is the house of Virgo, which is... 
service to others. He went crazy. I want to see Vincent van Gogh's chart. But how would we know what time he was born? They seem to know. Mar- you know, they seem to say that he was born on March 30th, 1853 at 11 a.m. I'm going to go look. Hold on. Vincent van Gogh's chart. All right. Vincent van Gogh. God. He's got a lot of stuff in the 12th house and 1st house and 2nd house, which makes sense, actually. Um, Does okay. it? Yeah. P- Pisces. He's got a lot of stuff. A lot of... It's, like, so complicated to say all this. Let me just talk about his Jupiter. Okay. Okay, well, first of all, we can just look at Vincent van Gogh, the fact that his son is in the first house, and it's in Aries, which is all about exaltation and self-expression, and it's in the first house. So his life was about self-expression. What is art? Art is self-expression. So it would make sense that he would devote his life to self-expression. And unique self-expression. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Now, if we go look at his Jupiter, his Jupiter is in Sagittarius, which is very lucky. And it is in the ninth house, which is also very lucky. But yet we know he was sent to an insane asylum. But he was also not recognized until after he was he was dead. What was the one? Which was the house that was not recognized until after you're dead? It was the ninth house. So yes, his Jupiter is in the ninth house, which is what we said before. Your accomplishments might not be realized until later in your life or after death. And that was Vincent van Gogh's situation. And then looking at his chart as well, what I think is interesting is that he has a lot of planets in the second house, which is the house of Taurus, which is finances. And I don't know if you're familiar with his life story, but his brother was his benefactor. Like his brother really supported his art. So he didn't have to think about money and he could, you know, focus on his art. Yeah. Very Um, interesting. Yeah. And then he has a lot of planets in in the 12th house, which has a lot to do with, you know, mysticism and otherworldly. And he was tapping into other things. So, yeah, very interesting. Wonderful. Yeah. But you can look and see, you know, how some of this might have led to him being crazy, his limiting planets, which we'll get to when we talk about Saturn. Very interesting. Thank you, Anna. I learned so, I did, I learned a lot. I feel like, I feel like I was saying earlier, like understanding the house that my son was in, I feel like has helped me a lot. And also knowing that I'm lucky. I'm going to go get a lottery ticket. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of TSF. Would you like to do a favor for those who may be similar to you or in the same situation? then leave us a review on iTunes because that's how people can find us. We really appreciate it and we appreciate you. And remember, humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. Let me tell y'all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it. And all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover.